0: This is episode 31 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by the Real Estate Growth Summit, hosted in Toronto, Ontario at the Pearson Convention Centre on November's 11th and 12th. I have Dylan Suter here to tell you about the event Dylan, for those who are not familiar with him, has closed 215 doors in his residential real estate investing business in the last 12 months. On top of that, he's on pace to close over 60 transactions in his real estate sales business as a realtor this year in 2019. I have Dylan here to talk to you about the things that you're going to learn at the Real Estate Growth Summit. Dylan, take it away. Thanks, Andrew. Really excited to be sponsors of your podcast. This event is for listeners like you that want to take your real estate sales or real estate investing business to the next level and to replace your active income with passive income through learning and implementing the systems and processes used by the best in the industry. Be prepared to walk away with some tangible tools and an action plan that I have personally used to become a top performer in the industry in just under three years. To get your tickets before prices go up, visit www.realestategrowthsummit.ca. And for being loyal listeners of Andrew's podcast, there's a special discount code just for you. All you have to do is enter Andrew REI as the promo code at checkout to save $50 off admission. The only way you're ever going to reach your massive goals is to take massive action. So go get your tickets today and we'll see you at the event. Welcome to episode 31 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have John Scholler on the show, and you heard that right, John's on for the second time. He was on a previous episode. Uh, Guy's from Charleston, West Virginia, and he's a little bit of a different type of investor in that he's invested in a company that flips properties at a very high volume. John personally invests in the projects that they do, and uh, he tells his story today of how he's able to make some pretty significant returns on investment in uh, the ballpark of over 30% per year on a single deal, and he's even gotten them done in less than four months. So if you annualize that return you'd be over a hundred percent john is a very very diligent person he's extremely organized he runs multiple businesses and he seems to do it with ease so today we get into some of his organization tactics how he does it all and makes it work and makes it look easy Uh, i couldn't resist when he said that he was in the area he was visiting toronto on a vacation and i said hey you gotta pop by we'll shoot a podcast in person because last time we did it over the internet i really hope you enjoy this one Please make sure that you follow John on Instagram because it is amazing, uh, the stuff that he's posting. He's uh, he's doing full property walkthroughs all the time, flips, talking about the stuff that they're doing. It's really, really interesting and entertaining to watch. So without further ado, here's episode 31 with John Scholler. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have John Scholler on the show for the second time. Yep. John, how you doing?
1: Pretty good, man. G- uh, glad to actually be here in person.
0: Yeah, so John was in Toronto checking things out, and uh, I couldn't pass up this opportunity to get him in person now that we have the uh, proper studio set up. So he's here with his wife, Rihanna. They uh, brought the dog in the, uh, in the uh, SUV and, and made the trip up here. How was the trip?
1: trip was great. Uh, we came up through Akron and then Cleveland and then came around the turn and through Niagara Falls, which I'd never seen before. Uh, really cool to see that. It was actually a lot busier than I thought it was going to be. It was completely packed. Uh, we glad we saw it at night, then we stayed overnight, saw it in the morning, and then we made the drive the rest of the way to Toronto.
0: Yes, he spent some time in Toronto and had all the uh, delicious vegan recommendations that
1: that I made. (laughs) So much food. I I don't know how many calories we've eaten now, but uh, it it was worth it. (laughs) It's a good thing you
0: own a gym. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's uh it's too bad you don't. we don't have time for a lift after this. You could uh show me a few things. All oh, right, right. Yeah.
1: We, we can find a gym around here. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, there's a couple in town. <laughs> anyway, so uh John, you're for anyone who doesn't remember the last episode or hadn't heard the last episode, can you just give your elevator pitch as to what it is that you do?
1: Yeah, so uh I'm a real estate investor full-time. I'm also a business and finance consultant and coach. Uh, but most people who follow me know me through the real estate and I do try to do the finance thing on the side just to help people out because you got to have your finances together in order to start investing. Yeah. So I do a little bit of both, but I'm part of a company with my two partners, Andrew and Steve. Uh, we run A&M investments, ANC properties investments. We also have Montana construction and we buy and flip and hold properties in Charleston, West Virginia. We've probably flipped over a hundred homes now and have another 95 or so in holding.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you're you're doing a lot now. I know last time we kind of focused in on the on the flips because you're doing a large volume of that. So is is the holding real estate? Is that a new thing?
1: No, it's not new. It's just uh, I guess a little bit complicated. It's not exactly. Your rental, we do rent-to-own. Are you familiar with that here? Yes. Okay, so we do rent-to-own. Uh, I don't know if everybody's familiar with that, but basically yes. we rent yeah. the homes back out.
0: Well, okay, so so to recap what rent-to-own is, that's basically where you, and now in your case, you might already own the home, but you find a tenant that wants to buy that home, put them on a plan to help them rebuild their credit over X number of years, maybe three years, and then at the end of the three years, hopefully they've improved their credit so that they can buy. Is that...
1: Correct. We, yeah. we both own and... Rent to own or rent to own. So we basically take the contract with the original owner, find a new rent to owner and put them in place and manage the whole thing. But we make sure the bank gets paid directly. And then, yes, absolutely. Our goal is a lot shorter than three years. We would love to have it refinanced in six months to a year. Uh, But it's proving more difficult sometimes than not. Uh, but we have put some play- things into place recently as we're doing more background checks, uh, we're doing credit checks, and we have an in-house credit agency now to yeah. work with them directly, as well as they have to sit down with me and have a financial consultation when they sign up.
0: So you're kind of being a middleman as far as rent own goes, so there is an owner uh that's there and then you're basically just setting them up with a rent own tenant and being a middleman and and are you taking a piece of that that action so yeah. to speak
1: <laughs> so basically we'll just agree to a price with the original owner say hey, yep. hey do you want to sell oh. the house for 50 oh, then love we'll that. sell it to rent owner for 70 yep. and then facilitate the whole deal mm-hmm. and the owner of the home and the bank does not care yeah they can call the note i want to be clear about that everybody knows this if you sell a sell a house again the bank always has the ability to call the note yeah but more than likely, and they never will as long as it's getting paid.
0: Right. Yeah. Banks don't really get mad if, if they're getting their payments. It's when they're not getting their payments that, uh, that it's a problem. So just uh, to, for clarification, John, you live where?
1: Charleston, West Virginia. Charleston, so not to be confused with Charlestown or Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston, okay. West Virginia.
0: Charleston, West, West Virginia. Okay. And is that your prime hub of operations right in that town?
1: Yes. We operate in and around the Kanoa and Putnam areas, which is anywhere from about 30 to 40 miles in our area.
0: Okay. And now you mentioned to me last time, and I know we were talking this, about this before, you've obviously got your problems in Charleston with uh, drug use and, and finding good people. How do you find that that's affected your business model and what you guys are doing?
1: Uh, it slowed us down a bit at the pace that we would like to move, but I guess any business could say yeah. that. You're always going to have your problem in business, and we're just trying to work yeah. around it the best you can. But finding good, reliable people yeah. in a drug-ravaged community can prove to be difficult to say the least. Uh, But we just try to vet as much, get references, and probationary Mm -hmm. periods. I can't stress that enough. Don't go full tilt or full leverage on a new guy, a new project manager, or a new contractor. One rule that we do is you have to prove to us on one house before we give you more than one house. So we used to be like, oh, this guy started off good. He's two weeks into this project, and he's killing the game. He's looking really good. Give him two more houses. Now you're over leveraged because if he right. drops the ball within three weeks, you got three houses that are leveraged on this one guy.
0: Right. So at any given time, so just for context, how many projects do you guys have going on at any given time?
1: Anywhere between 15 and 30.
0: 15 and 30. So obviously there's way more than one contractor could handle. Yes. Which is why you guys are really in the people management business. You're finding projects and you're managing people.
1: Right. So so quickly you'd say, well, that's more than any one project, any more, any more than one contractor could handle. But they don't know that. You have to realize sometimes you have to manage these people's businesses even though it's theirs and you have to let them know what their what their ability is unfortunately
0: yeah i mean i can definitely relate to people everyone wants to say yes right if you have a contractor that's doing a good job for you they want to say yes they don't want to tell you no i can't take that on they really should i mean i've had to develop my skill for saying no because i don't want to over over leverage my time and um it's not so much that they're trying to be you know irresponsible i think it just ends up that way oh i didn't realize how much time this would take so i do that too and i'm like looking at okay how much am i going to give my main guy to do versus how much am i going to sub out to other contractors and he'll say oh i can do all this and i'm like "Mm, that doesn't sound like a good idea you know so all it takes is something to come up and if we didn't have a contingency now all of a sudden we're behind
1: absolutely i I think knowing your limit i actually did a video on my instagram on this the other day just knowing your limit and there's nothing wrong with having a limit you should have one and it'll grow it'll get bigger over time once you get more people around you and build bigger teams but look if you're a one-man crew and you have one secretary and it's just you and a secretary you're probably not going to be able to manage 30 houses it just is what it is
0: you gotta you gotta grow responsibly right that's the other thing yeah when when some people they'll tell me i've set this massive goal and they've never I have never owned anything. I had a friend that wanted to buy his first property. It was gonna be a 12 or an eightplex. I'm like, well, maybe you should start with a single. (laughs) Right, (laughs) Just start with a single and then we'll talk about an eightplex. And there's ways to do that.
1: Partner with someone who has the experience. That's the way to do it. But if you're trying to manage it yourself, the other thing people don't realize in business, and I've owned several since in my last 12 years, I've had several businesses. One of the things that I, I, I was good at was knowing my limits and the the less you have on your plate, sometimes the more attentive, the more attentive you can be to your clients and give them outstanding customer service. Yeah. Whether that's an investor or just a direct yeah. to client, you just give them better customer service.
0: Right. And on that note, I think I just want to draw out the differences here to this this specific episode and you as a guest on on this because a lot of my guests have you know they grew up thinking about financial independence and real estate, and I know you were you're a big advocate for financial independence and and. Uh, personal finance and i don't think real estate was was where you were drawn right right originally you kind of fell into this so you were an entrepreneur doing your own thing living very uh frugally Mm -hmm. so that you didn't you didn't have to earn a lot um, and then you went in and you went to consult with these guys that were running a company, and then all of a sudden you're a partner in the company. Right. Do you want to just walk through what happened there and how mm-hmm. you feel about real estate now?
1: So, we'll, you know, we'll just kind of start. I'll give a brief uh, explanation of how that got started. So, I started a moving company at 21 uh, years old, and I ran that and eventually sold it about eight years later. Then, my wife and I traveled, nurse. Uh, she well, she was the nurse, but I travel nurse with her Uh, for about two years. We went to Maui in California and the whole time yeah. I'm I sold the company and I had a lot of money saved up because again, I live very frugally. We yeah. still do to this day, Um, but I wanted to deploy my money. I know that I did not want to get back into such a labor. And I don't have a problem working hard, but I did not want to labor my way yeah. to being a multimillionaire. I did not want to work hands on, physically, 60 hours a week, like I had been doing with the moving company yeah. to get there. So I said, how can I get my money to work for me? And naturally, if you just start, if you just type that exact sentence into Google, yeah. real estate's going to come up. And I've always was interested in real estate. Okay. but I really dove into it when we travel nursing. Well, unfortunately, we travel nurse a place like uh, Los Angeles and Palo Alto, California and Maui. <sighs> You're not buying anything it's out there for expensive. less than a couple million yeah. dollars but what it did do is allow me the time to learn as much as i could and it put me in a position in a place where they say is luck is when opportunity meets uh, preparation right i was prepared and i had the opportunity when my wife finally got accepted to school in charleston west virginia for her doctorates I met up with these guys and I already had the knowledge. I don't want to say the know-how. I don't think you have the know-how until you start doing it. But I had the knowledge to sit down and hold a conversation with them. They knew that I had done my preparation. They knew I had some capital saved up and they knew I was serious. So it allowed me to come in. And yeah, just like you said, it was really random. Met up with these guys. I came in to consult with them a little bit on social media and uh, on a little bit on finances. And you fast forward two and a half years later now. I'm now CEO and partner of the company.
0: Wow. And did you did you have a buy-in price into the company or was it a kind of a sweat equity that you built into the company? It was company?
1: structured about 40 different ways because yeah. we didn't know how it was going to work. They weren't prepared for me and I wasn't prepared for them. Yeah. We didn't know how it was going to work. Uh, but it, there ended up being no buy-in. It was a sweat equity type okay. thing. I I helped them and they helped me and we got through a time together when they were growing and uh, and I could help them with that and they could help me learn real estate. So it was mutually beneficial there. And uh, now it's uh, kind of a salary Mm. position. And I also get to double dip a little bit. I invest in our deals.
0: So this is the interesting thing, which I really wanted to dig into, is uh, everything I've talked about on this show has been so heavily into people buying properties and doing the hard work. But there's another way. And uh, you are actually one of the investors in your company in the individual projects. So when a project comes along, why don't you just tell me how that works? Because I, I definitely find it interesting and I've heard some of your numbers and they sound pretty cool.
1: All right. So uh, a project was set. so we have our acquisitions team. They find a house and sometimes we find our own houses. Uh, but like Andrew and I'll go out looking for houses, but we do have an acquisitions team that's full time. But anyway, a house hits the board. We've all done our second look on it. It looks like a good deal. Well, I will say, hey, do I want to be the investor on this? Because like you just said, I do invest in our own properties. By the way, how we work, everybody, is we bring investors' money from outside. We put it in these projects. We flip it and give them a return on their investment. You get
0: Yeah. So let's just look at the basic structure of that. So you okay. have a house. Cost, say, an average house is what, $50,000? Uh,
1: probably the average is around 100. dollars
0: Okay, so average house is a hundred thousand. Your rentals are going to cost twenty five, thirty, something like that. Is that a, these are Correct. standard numbers? Yes. Okay, so you're going to need one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Is that right? Right. So you would raise the entire one hundred and thirty. Yes. So no mortgages or, or liens on the property. You're just doing direct cash investment. Right.
1: We have all had yeah. all personal investments uh, yeah. to this date.
0: Okay. So where are these investors coming from um, in your business?
1: So that's Steve, my other partner, brought in through helping project manager for a very wealthy individual in our our hometown Mm -hmm. who already does real estate. And so when he teamed up with Andrew, remember they were together before I met up with them. They brought him with them uh, uh, and he now invests in about I'd say about 85% of our properties at any given time, he has between three and $5 million with us in properties. Okay. And we've just developed a relationship with him now. He no longer even looks at the properties. We send him the deal, so these yeah. are the numbers on him, and he wires the money.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's a credibility thing, you, a track record and credibility. You, you, you obviously have something good there. You're not going to squander that. Absolutely. Uh, at least not intentionally, right? Yes. I mean, Please things can happen. Please know that that's not yeah. overnight. Please yeah.
1: know that, if you find someone to just send you money sure. like that, something might be wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the, you know, from an investor standpoint, that just goes to show, right? For for people who are listening to this and watching this, thinking, you know, in what I do, am I always going to have to joint venture, or am I always going to have to borrow expensive private money uh, and pay all these legal fees to secure it to my property? There are other ways, but you have to build a relationship, you have to build a track record, right. um, and trust. And you should, right? You shouldn't be just taking somebody's money when you're not ready for
1: it. Absolutely. And I like to give. Here's a little tip. At first, let's say we have an agreement. So we have a couple ways you can invest with us. Now, our main big investor, he does 33% profit share. That's mm-hmm. just what he does. We've never offered him the other ways we do it now for our newer investors, which is you can either pick 33% profit share, so you'd be banking on us to knock it out of the park on our timeline and profit, or you, do you just want 8 to 10% on your money. Gotcha. So from the time you loan the full amount, we're paying you 8 to 10% annualized, on your money, we'll pay you a check every single month and then give you back your initial after we sell it. You get to pick either way. Um, So that's the two ways you get to go about it. But here's a tip, tip. if you knock it out of your park on your first few investments with your new investor, give them more. Think about that. Like you, you want that money to keep flowing your way. And if you won big, give them a little bonus. Give them a little bonus. Why not? Because eventually you'll build that relationship. How nice would it be just to pick up a phone? How many investors out there would kill for this? Or uh, um, yeah, investors. That's what I'm looking for. Would kill for hey, so and so, I need this much money. Can you wire it tomorrow? People would kill for that. Yeah, and and if they knew it was going to the right place, absolutely. But you, like you just said, credibility. But if you give them a little extra when you knock it out of the park, Mm -hmm. that goes a long way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a, an interesting approach. I, I know there's two sides to that, though, because some people would say, oh, well, if you if you start going above and beyond what the contract says, eventually that becomes expected.
1: Know who you're dealing with as well, and that's going to be a little bit of a um, people skill you have to develop. Now, if you think that they'll start taking advantage or expecting that, then that could be an issue. Uh, I guess you'd have to know who you're dealing with. And this person, let's say if we sent them an extra $5,000 on, we, he thought he was going to make twenty. The numbers panned out, He's gonna make, which was his 33% profit share. And we sent him a 25 and a thank you letter. This person, 5,000 doesn't mean a great deal to them, an extra five, but it says thank you. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's nice if you say, this is projected profit, and you guys always kind of beat your projected. Absolutely. It's, it's nice to undersell and over deliver, right? Absolutely. If you got them on board and you always say, hey, we can't guarantee you that it'll be more, but you know, this is what we're, what we're thinking it'll but
1: be. Another yeah. way to beat it is, is ahead of timeline. Like if yeah. they're under doing the thirty-three percent profit share, get it done send it, send it a month earlier than projection. That's that's almost as just as important as sending yeah. them that extra money.
0: Yeah, and I think that that goes back to a critical thing of always undersell, right? If you know you can do it in. In five, tell them it'll be done in six or seven, right? Like, Absolutely. That way you're not uh, you're not going to disappoint them. Learn contingencies
1: yeah. and learn them fast in this business. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. John, this is probably a good a good second to just transition into going through some specific numbers of a deal. Okay. Um, from an investor standpoint, like say a deal that you invested in now. I guess before we go into this, can anyone get a deal that you invested in or is this a special special type of thing? Anybody can
1: get the deal. So I want to be upfront and clear is that I don't exactly cherry pick. Keep in mind, I have a little bit limited amount of capital. Yeah. I, if I had 10, 20 million laying around then I'd probably be the only investor in the company because I'll just make all the returns, right? Yeah. But that's not the case. Like I said, our our biggest investor investor has about 85% of our properties tied up. Mm -hmm. So we have plenty to go around. and We probably have another five to six investors that grab a house or two at a time. And it's really hard to actually cherry pick deals in real estate because a deal can go any way. A deal can go any which way. Now, yes, you can crush it if you know you got a house for $10,000 at the auction that you know right away is worth 100. yeah, i would be stupid not to grab that deal as part of owner in the company. Yeah. But I don't want people to think, well, I'm not going to invest with you guys because John just cherry yeah, picks. It's not the case. You can only do case. so many. And I, yes, and I can only yeah. do so many.
0: And I will speak to that. I, I used to work with uh, a specific realtor. He still sends me deals. And, I, and there was a time where I was doing a ton of deals. But he took the best ones he found for mm. himself. And mm. I got kind of his second-tier uh deals that weren't quite as good as he wanted but right. I still made tons of equity did, did fantastic so even if that was the circumstance that doesn't mean don't engage that that just means understand the dynamic and and be real about it and there's no problem there right. i think that's fair don't get your ego uh, tied
1: up in it that's yeah. wholesaling or anything
0: what uh what do you uh look like uh let's like say a, a recent deal what was the investment that you were in for? So I'll
1: talk about my most recent one which was very exciting for us. Now please understand this isn't exactly typical so I can also give a typical deal. Sure. But I have to talk about this one. So sure. it's 21st Street. I don't know if you follow it on Instagram it was the one with all the fiesta wear and it. it was full of full of plates and dishes. I might have seen. Oh that's it, yeah. okay. <laughs> so we, we got the house at auction and um we went we went into the house and it was full. Like It looked like they just disappeared. And we get this from time to time. It's either death or jail or something. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But they just were gone. Family didn't want any part of it. We tried to contact them. They wanted nothing to do with the house. So we made probably three to $5,000 just in the stuff inside of the home. Just selling it off. Just selling it off. So we didn't have to do much of this house. It looked okay. So we redid all the hardwood floors. We painted it. Put a brand new kitchen in it, but the cabinets were already good, so really, and the yeah. fridge was already good. So we did a dishwasher, stove, microwave, granite countertops, and uh, tile floor in the kitchen. Okay, that's all we had to do there. Like I said, we painted and then uh, updated the HVAC unit, it serviced it, didn't even update it. Yeah. So we were in the house. We got the house for fifty-five, put another thirty in it. Uh, okay. all in we're about $90,000 all in. Okay. Okay. So that's with holding costs and everything. So I always try on my investments, which is ill-advised from my partners, but they're starting to come around a little yeah. bit because I keep having success, but it was ill-advised to try to sell it yourself. I don't know okay. if you have any luck here trying to do that. Like, like uh,
0: instead of using a realtor?
1: Yes. Um,
0: I have actually sold many myself because I sell to investors, though.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, but I Like think. if you were to try to sell on the open market and dodge the MLS, would it be probably hard here? It's getting a little bit easier, okay. but
0: I think a lot of people still offer a cooperating realtor commission. Okay. So even if they're like, you're not paying a listing agent, you're still paying the cooperating agent that gotcha. comes in. That's pretty common or becoming more common now. Okay, yes, yeah, so that's yeah. fine. We're
1: just trying to dodge the realtor on one side. That's, that's yeah, all we're same. trying to do. Okay. So... I put out a Facebook video. My wife helped me make a Facebook video, walk through the house, and we put it on Facebook for two days just with local ads and said, open house, come see it. Yeah. Well, about three or four people showed up, but they weren't hot leads. And I was like, Mm -hmm. "Ah, this one didn't work because I've had some success in the past. Well, the next morning I got a call while I was at the office. My secretary came to me and said, John's University of Charleston's on the phone for you. And I said, Oh, I remember you saying this. And I said, hello. And I said, "Uh, John, this is the CEO of uh, University of Charleston. We're interested in the house. Now, keep in mind, our backyard bumps up to the college, and I'm so mad at myself that I didn't even think to go over and talk to them. That's amazing. I should have. But they said, "Um, well, we're interested. And I said, okay, but I bet there's school, or they want to talk me down or something. And I said, okay, well, what's your price? Well, we have no problem with what you're asking okay. I was like, it sounded too good to be true. I was like, I said, okay. So I shut yeah. the door. I go in the office and shut the, in one of the offices and shut the door. And I said, okay, what, so what's the contingency? He said, oh, yeah. we just need one of our guys from the school maintenance men to come over and check it out. Yeah. And if he gives it the, okay, we'll purchase it. Yeah. And I said, I'll meet him there whenever, <laughs> right now. Yeah. Right. So he met me the next day and he walked through it. He wanted one pipe had a boot that was loose. Okay. And a pipe in the ceiling from the old um, furnace yeah. was hanging down. He said, just cut that. This was the two things. So, two little
0: things it's there, a like, little mini home inspection. It wasn't even yeah. a home <laughs>
1: inspection, really. They just walked through it yeah. and took pictures. And I was like, I'm so excited at this point. So, they did full price. And we keep in mind, we're in it for about eighty-eight, ninety, give or take.
0: Okay. So, sold for we'll say 90 conservative. No realtor. So, okay. Sold 145 So, you paid no commission at all?
1: Zero. So
0: one forty-five. So that that deal itself made uh, about fifty-five thousand.
1: We we put it around fifty-eight. So our numbers, my numbers could be off about a few thousand. Think we might sure. be, but about fifty-eight. Okay. Eighteen thousand of my wife and I, and about ninety. Okay. So, so you guys
0: invested ninety. We did.
1: It was about eighty-seven, eighty-eight. We'll just call it ninety to call it even, though. Say
0: so you you're you came in at 58000 fifty-eight uh, thousand. 58, and uh, for anybody wondering, watching this, my dog's on my lap, so it's making this slightly <laughs> slower. I hit his ball and he wants it back. He's upset. (laughs) Hey guys, I just wanted to pause the podcast and take a moment to clarify here because I realized after our discussion that I kind of confused myself while we were recording it. To make it clear there are two different ways that we can look at john's return here and i'm going to go based on the information he gave me from a company standpoint and this is his company's activities and granted his company didn't actually invest anything because john invested the money but let's just say that the company invested the ninety thousand dollars well we've got that ninety thousand dollars and on that he had a profit of or the company had a profit of fifty eight thousand dollars and then they dispersed that profit after so we won't worry about that but if we divide that out the total that we get as a percentage, so 58,000 divided by 90,000 is 64% return on investment in an, only a three and a half month period of time. So what John and I were talking about is if you looked at that annually, if you earned that that rate of return all year long, uh, what, is, what is the actual annual return if you kept earning at that rate? And all you have to do to find that out is you just take 64.44% And you divide that by three and a half months because that's the period of time it took, and then multiply it by twelve, and that will give you two hundred and twenty percent. On the personal side, John had ninety thousand dollars invested. Of course, him and his wife made eighteen thousand dollars, which is twenty percent return on their investment in three and a half months. Again, do the same thing. Just take twenty percent, divide that by three and a half months, and then multiply it by twelve, and you get sixty-eight point five seven percent. Not a bad return on investment in either of these scenarios. I think we can all agree that most people would be really satisfied with that level of return. Okay, let's get back to the podcast.
1: But it's about 100.7. I've done the math. Because our numbers are off a few thousand here and there. But it's 100.7%.
0: So that 100.7 is the personal amount that John calculated for he and his wife based on the numbers he had and it makes sense that they're different because he was using accurate numbers and he gave me back of the envelope numbers on the show so thanks a lot John for the inaccurate numbers just kidding sorry guys I tried to do the best I could here with the numbers he gave me but uh, close enough you get the idea either way they're great returns Back to the show. So, so yeah, we're, we're we both okay. rounding. We're both rounding. Um, <laughs> yes, but, that's fine. So, John's at approximately an annualized hundred percent. Now, right. of course, there's, there's, um, you're not making that a whole year because you have lead times between deals. But I mean, even if you just look at the nineteen grand that you made, and you say, I didn't do another deal with that money that year, you're still in a great
1: position. Absolutely. Try to find that anywhere else with it with an yeah. asset backed investment.
0: Yeah. So you're now are your. Are your investments structured in such a way that if something were to happen to your company or to you, that the, that the investor does have a claim against the specific asset? I,
1: I also have a deed of trust on all of the homes that I invest in. So All of our investors do. They're all tied now, directly to the Now, does that mean that
0: if, if this doesn't pay out, you get the deed to I the get house? The whole,
1: I get the whole house. So
0: Okay. So if the terms aren't followed, then what does it cost down there to do that kind of an agreement?
1: So we pay for for just the note, it's about 500 bucks, so 500 give, give bucks. or takes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, that's you know that's totally reasonable. Yeah. Um, now that's obviously quite fantastic, and I do remember watching your stories on that house. I remember you telling that yeah. One. So again, not yeah. typical,
1: but I just want to say it's yeah. possible.
0: What's what's the uh, the typical?
1: So a typical, I'll just give round numbers. This is what we tell our investors. Just we just want to say if you're going to do a typical deal with us, you're going to need about a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. All in, because uh, we can grab houses for eighty, we can grab them for a hundred, and yeah. you need about another twenty to thirty, like you said, to put to put towards the re, the re, re, rent Yeah. Then we're at a six months. So this was a three and a half. But it was a so, small yeah, six house. Months, but yeah. we tell everybody six months. Okay. If it's a bigger project or we're, the house was burned down before, obviously a little longer, but we call it six mm-hmm. months. And we want to try to make you about 15 to 20%. Okay. That's, that's where we try. That's our basis. Now we just hit 25, we hit 45, but we want to hit that. But what our numbers are is we the company can make no less, does not want to make any less than $20,000 net. On
0: a deal, so if a it's a hundred grand being invested, there needs to be twenty grand profit, right. to be split.
1: Absolutely, no uh, twenty thousand net to the company, so a thirty thousand dollars total. Oh, okay, okay. So ten thousand to the investor. Okay, so you, so you need to make 100. thirty
0: thousand $30, in profit on a deal, right? Um, it's so that you, the company can get twenty, you can get ten. Get, yeah, the
1: investor gets ten. Absolutely. So it, the higher the deal, the higher our margins need to get. Another mm-hmm. thing we do, and I stress this to a lot of people: if you're full or getting full, push your margins higher. Because then yeah. the, the project can sit a little longer.
0: Sure. Yeah, and I think that's that just goes with anything. Like the busier you get, you're gonna to want to pick better deals. Absolutely. And uh, side tangent, but this is what contractors do when they have too much business. <laughs> they don't. They don't tell you no. They they do an F off price, which is <laughs> if you're willing to pay it, then Fine. wonderful. We'll take your money, and if not, F off. That's uh, <laughs> that's my. I've coined that. Uh, I'm keeping it clean though. Um, <laughs> I find it ridiculous, but you do need to know that. You need to know that in that game. And I think it kind of works in any industry, right? People don't really say no so much as they do. They just adjust their pricing. So as an investor, use that to your advantage and pick better deals, right? If you're getting really busy.
1: Well, your investors money could sit a little bit longer because because you're busy. The house might take it eight months instead of six. Sure. So if your margins are higher, everybody's happy.
0: Then you and you still got room and you can still make them the desired profit. Absolutely. Now, how often do you have stuff that doesn't make as much as you wanted it to?
1: I'd say out of a, out of the 100 flips we're, we're over now, we've probably had about 10 to 12 ho- houses not be great. We've had some big losers. We've, we brought $20,000 to the table before, we'll be honest, but we've never yeah. lost an investor a dollar. Not, yeah. vi- not very many companies can say that. We bring every dollar person into yeah. the table and make the investor whole again. They oh, didn't make okay. any money. okay, so you
0: guys have made your investors whole in, every time, in bad situations. Every time, yeah. which is yeah,
1: good and bad. It's gotten us a little bit of trouble in the, financially in the past. We're good now, but it got us there because we just wanted to do right. But every investor should understand it's risk-reward.
0: Right. Yeah. You're taking a risk. And I, I know there are plenty of companies that have done stuff like that. They don't they don't advertise it. And it's not a policy. It's a it's a maybe we'll be able to do this if and if and when because right. we want to make people whole. But yeah, I, I know that's a tricky, tricky subject to get into. And there's not a very clean answer. Right. To that, right. Any of that. Yeah. Just um, try
1: your best.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now john so the average type of property you said it's a hundred grand sort of does it all in you're you're mostly doing cosmetics but you said that you do have to do a lot of structural where you're at yeah
1: so structural would so that would push us in if it's going to be a structural house that's going to probably push us closer to the 130 140 all in uh we just we just try we used to go higher our averages used to be higher but in our area as soon as you cross the two hundred thousand dollars threshold yeah the houses sit they just do. I remember it, it you just, saying it's that It's the last median time, income man. and you need to know your median income in your area. If the average person cannot afford a $225,000 mortgage, you're going yeah. to shrink your buyer pool substantially. And yeah. so if it needs structural, so big in our area and everybody has something different. Sometimes it's termites. Sometimes uh, you know, it's storm drainage. It could be almost anything depending on your area and where you're buying. But yeah. in our, we're in a mountain area and almost all of our houses, I'd say I, I'd give it 85%. Of yeah. Our houses have structural, which means the basement foundation is moving or shifting in one way or another, and the Crazy. bank will not lend on it without a structural report.
0: So you guys go fix it. You get a structural engineer to come in and say it's all good. Yeah, so it gives us
1: a lot of opportunity because mm. keep in mind they can't. A lot of these people can't sell their houses because of the structural, and you're talking yeah, about a twenty thousand dollar bill. Fix it. Yeah, it's yeah. substantial. It's not just a roof. It's that sounds 20-
0: like one heck of an opportunity.
1: <laughs> it is. So it's an opportunity yeah. to both us as investors, but think about how much the structural people are making in our area.
0: Oh man, that's a good. That's a great market. <laughs>
1: We've considered it. We considered opening our own because we do it on almost yeah. all of our houses, but you know we have to slow down sometimes. And not grab every every piece of uh, fruit that's hanging down because uh, we're, we're we don't do so well that sometimes. We want to start a cabinet company. We want to start our own uh, buying yeah. a bunch of uh, material at wholesale. We always want to dr- do these, but it's just extra extra time.
0: John, one of the things that uh, struck me from our first interview together was that you just seem to have an incredible level of personal organization you seem like you're very busy but you're very organized and this is something that i've studied for many many years and i'm curious what is your approach to daily tasks and staying organized with all that you have going on. So you're running this company, you've got your side hustles, your YouTube channel, your Insta channel, and uh, your investing portfolio, which is more than just real estate. How do you find balance? The (laughs) gym.
1: (laughs) So uh, most people look from the outside at my wife and I's lives and they go, how? One huge thing, we're cheating, we don't have kids. Like wait, wait, wait. I don't say for cheating, but it's it's a fact. We don't have kids, so we're we are able to have more on our plates. But even with that being said, I don't want to sell ourselves short. We do a lot for what for for just being two people and everything we have going on. But organization, like you said, is is huge and something that I had to get a hold of quickly. I'll forget everything. My wife is sitting five feet from the side of me, she'll shake her head. Yes, I will forget everything. Everything, like I'm scared to death. I don't know if you know this, but we're also signed up to be foster parents and so we're waiting on a child and I am scared to death I'm gonna leave that child on the roof of the car or in the car. Like I, So I have to write down everything and stay completely organized. If you say something to me, I need to write it down. Within the matter of minutes, set a Google alert on my phone, put it on a notebook. Every single Monday, I take a piece of blank computer paper. This works if you have a calendar or a schedule. This just works for me. I take a piece of blank computer paper and I write down every single thing that's on my mind. Not just my to-dos, but also things on my mind that I need to just remember to get done. So it's not necessarily this has to be done by Monday. I just can't forget it. I write it all down and then I check it off. I put a little checkbox beside it because this is important. I check everything off as I do it. Okay. Yeah. So staying organized, but another thing that's huge for us, my wife and I think it's being minimalist. I don't want to say we're minimalist because I know that's the thing. It's getting overrun, but uh, what's the word you called it? Intentional. Intentionalist. So basically everything we have in our home or that we have going on is intentional. Like it has serves a purpose and we either get enjoyment out of it regularly, not just once a year. Yep. We get enjoyment out of it regularly or it's it's just decluttered i think a lot of people are very cluttered in their lives their car is a mess their house is a mess and that's why their their life and their organization is a mess i
0: agree I, I think i always like to start with cleaning my desk before i'll work right i i want a clean desk i want a clean uh, clean car right messy yeah. car messy desk messy mind right uh, that's the way, to, uh, the way i see it i feel like i can think clearer when i have a clean surrounding absolutely uh, so i can totally relate to that so so y- to recap you you do the sheet of paper write it all down and i found that helpful too it's kind of like journaling just every single thought that pops into your mind will help you get some sort of inner peace like okay it's captured now i can sleep i i would do that actually when i couldn't sleep that was actually yeah. a big thing there's for a me. study on that it helps yeah. you sleep if you yeah.
1: write down everything on your mind before yeah. you lay down
0: so if you're if you find yourself up late at night and you just can't can't sleep i read this in a book one time and you just said it again i just started doing i got up turned turned the light on wrote everything down on two pages of paper and then i'm like okay i can sleep yep. lay down and off to bed
1: what never <laughs> yeah. works is i'll remind myself to, uh, when you tell yourself I- i'll remember no. I- i'll remember in 15 20 minutes or when i'm when i'm done with this movie like if a yeah. good thought hits you or something super important yeah. just pause whatever music tv yeah. what just write it down and go back you'll enjoy the rest of the show and you will remember it. You know, another funny thing I do, I don't even know if I should tell it on the podcast, but I do this. Say I'm watching, I'm on the couch and I'm comfortable and I don't want to move, but I just thought about something and I can't forget it. And my phone's not near me. Yeah. I will literally do stuff as silly as take the pillow and throw it into the kitchen. Yeah. Because I'll, when I see the pillow in the kitchen, it's completely weird to be in the kitchen. I go, why in the world is the pillow in the kitchen? And it hits, it, it lets me remember Hey, it's just a trick if you want to try it.
0: <laughs> so this might, uh, might be helpful for some. I don't know if you've ever uh, tried something like this, but I use something called Trello. It's free. It's okay. a web-based app and you can get it on your phone. And I made my own custom boards and I can, from my phone, I can add things, little tiles, which is effectively a to-do list. And what I can do is I can drag and drop them. Mm. So as I do something, I have a to-do, uh, a this week to-do and a long-term to-do. And then I have a doing and a done column. So I just slide stuff across as I get it done. And I've thought of all kinds of applications of how I might use this when I'm building, when I get into full construction on this current project coming up. How I can say, you know, unit one, and, and I can actually show progress by dragging it across the screen. Oh, like so I'll that. know where I am visually. Uh, now everybody needs different things you know everyone responds to different kind of organizational tactics right. so that might be something to try out if it if it helps you but just just so you can always have your to-do list with you if you always have your phone you have your to-do list. absolutely and the, yeah. the
1: google assistance or the, yeah. uh, if you have an apple it's a siri yeah i've never really used
0: that i mean i just i've struggled with the uh, the how I want my to do list and how I want my mental organization to look. Right. And maybe other people that works great. For me, I yeah. have a very particular way I, of doing things. I couldn't
1: do it for a full like week. Yeah. But I think it's good for like, say you're driving, you yeah. just say, hey, Google. Yeah remind me at 3 p.m. to call somebody. That's sure. huge. And always set your alarm like 10 or 15 minutes before the thing you have yeah. to do. Or otherwise, you might not be in the place. I yep. think <laughs> that's another big thing. Like If you're like, hey, Google, remind me at 3.15 and you're already in the movie theater at 3.15, it's not going to help you. So say it at 3. But yeah, just staying organized. You, you hit the nail on the head there is com- is probably one of the biggest things I want to say for running a successful business being organized. It yeah. allows you to have better customer support, allows you to do with contractors better, investors yeah. better, and just everything.
0: So yeah, it's, uh, it's all about building systems, right? Yes. And, and a real estate investor is, is a business owner, whether you like it or not, even if you just own a rental property, you need to build systems around your business. How do I respond? So I have tenants, they'll text me like, Andrew, I need this done. I'm like, you need to send me an email with pictures and a request. <laughs> so it's uh, my bad because uh, I have a new group of tenants and I usually send out an email that says, here's the procedure. If this happens, this is what you do, Mm -hmm. you know? So that way there's no confusion. And then I just stay firm on when it does happen. And when they do text me, when they're supposed to email, I just say, please email. And that way they know. And then eventually that's just the way it does. I had another tenant. He always calls me. I just stopped answering his calls. (laughs) And then I respond back. Please email. I'll, I'll even go to my computer and send them an email. It's all that you call.
1: <laughs> right. And I'm not talking about them like they're, like yeah. they're uh, pets, but you do yeah. have to train them. You have to train yeah. people how to uh, to behave with you and how, what you will allow. And well, will, yeah, will setting allow. boundaries, right. right?
0: Especially as you build a, a business, you're going to have to. Otherwise, you'll lose your sanity.
1: Absolutely. If you go out and change the light bulb at tw- 2 in the morning. Yeah. You're going to be changing light bulbs at 2 in the morning for them going forward because they know you'll do it.
0: They know you'll do it. Yeah, if you you fix one thing or if you jump when they say jump, they send a a text and you respond right away. Well, now, you know, Andrew's the guy that responds right away when I text him. Yes.
1: And then you get more texts. If it's $40 to have a maintenance man come out and change that light bulb, it's $40 to them. They'll think twice about calling about a light bulb
0: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i haven't figured out how to charge it to them just yet but what i have done um yeah like keys and stuff they lost one okay well that's gonna have a charge right and um i haven't enforced it to date because i haven't felt a need but if it got out of hand i would yeah i would i mean if it's if it doesn't happen much then i'd I like to be reasonable with people if they're good tenants. Right. So anyways, that's next on the agenda for you, right? Because you're not really uh, a landlord yet, per se. Right. Are you, are you thinking about going
1: down that road? So I guess we're a landlord through the company, but I'm not directly. So I don't have, my wife and I don't own any of our own properties. We yeah. don't even own our own property. We have yeah. zero mortgages. Uh, as you know, we, we don't have any debt to speak of. So that's... One of the things that makes me nervous, which I need yeah. to get over, I need to learn how to leverage the bank's money and all that. Cause it'd mm. be dumb for me to just buy one of these houses cash and tie my money up when I can make these type of returns I'm telling you about uh, right. through the company. But she gets right, she's going to graduate in about nine months. And uh, she, for the first time since we've been together, 12 years now, been married for five, six, five. We will have, we will have a substantial steady income. Yeah. Right. Uh it's been up and down with me and it's been up and down with her. So we will be able to walk into a bank, our debt to income ratio will be through the roof. Our income yeah. versus our debt. We can we'll have no problem getting loans, at mm-hmm. least for the first three, four, five, six properties. After that, you know, it starts to become a problem. Yeah,
0: yeah I've, I've heard that. But you have a lot of alternative lenders, just the rates go up. Right, so, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So we need to do that sooner than later. I put a tentative date on October of this year to have our first. Yeah. But these these flips keep popping up, and I just keep <laughs> building more capital. And huh. we just love the freedom of knowing it's a, it's catch twenty two. You probably love the freedom of knowing that if you quit tomorrow, you have mailbox money. Yeah. Right. I don't have that, but I love the freedom that I could pick up right now and move to here to Canada, right yeah. from the U.S. and have zero no, no responsibilities. Yeah. Right. There's some freedom in that that I don't want to give up. But I need to re- let go of that and realize that to build a substantial net worth and mailbox money and passive income, yep. I'm going to need to have properties under my name. And so that is our next step.
0: You know, it's not just it's not just the mailbox money, which I love that term, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I do direct uh, direct withdrawal from my tenants. But, right. Uh, same idea. Right. Um, it's uh it's it's the well especially around here you've seen the property values here probably i know we were talking about it earlier it's just so ridiculous how expensive things keep getting and this this area specifically because there's just such heavy immigration into canada but specifically ontario Mm -hmm. and um there's not nearly enough houses. There right. just aren't, you know. So every single piece of property, rent-wise, uh, property value-wise, just keeps going up.
1: Your appreciation, yeah, our
0: appreciation is huge here. So it's not just the cash flow. Cash flow has gotten harder because the properties keep getting more expensive, but then rents are chasing them too. So you right. almost have to be able to be patient if you want. You know, if I want to keep investing in London, I either have to find a wonderful deal or i have to be okay with being a little closer to break even cash flow but knowing that in a couple of years that's going to go up and, yeah. and start to cash flow where you are it sounds like you you have especially with the number of deals you see and it might be a conflict of interest with the company you <laughs> say hey you know what guys i want to just buy this one and i can yeah. we've
1: we've uh, there's a few that i've passed on yeah. they weren't the best area because got so cheap uh one was a fourplex we got it for like fifteen thousand dollars and yeah. we put another ten into it. And it needed everything. I mean, yeah,
0: I think you showed that one on your story. You right, had, uh, right. So yeah.
1: Ryan and I could have bought that. We, the company would have taken ten thousand dollars. So I would have so been you in would have for him a, a little bit
0: of a piece that for like a yeah.
1: finer's fee, absolutely, because yeah. you have no time, and it's So i would have been in it for twenty five. I probably would have put another fifty into it, getting them all four units livable. Yeah, but I'm in it for uh, seventy five then, mm-hmm. and I would have made about five fifty a unit. So we'll call it two thousand dollars. I would have made two thousand dollars a month on Rent. on on seventy seventy five k.
0: Oh wow! So that's more than two percent, real. Yes. So that's 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 really really good. So those have been area watching. Yeah,
1: was very shaky. It's been broken into three times while we've had it, had it on the. And I don't know if we want to deal with that.
0: I'm surprised that you did that. I remember you talking to me about this, and you're like, "Well, you know, I don't want to own in in not great areas." Yeah. Also, and-
1: appreciation does not. I can say not this happen a, as much. Doesn't no. it almost does not exist where we're at. We're great. Yeah. So in the the great part about where we're at is uh, that it's economy proof almost. If the yeah. market goes way down, we depreciate by 5 or 10%. If it goes way up, same thing. Yeah. So that's nice knowing that if you bought a house for yeah. 100 and the the market took a crash, you yeah. might lose 10. If you yeah. do that here, maybe I don't know about here, but I'm yeah. sure it'd be much bigger.
0: Yeah, the swings are bigger, right? Right. We had in 2017, we had a swing and some markets outside of Toronto got like 25, 30% dip
1: Mm. from a historic high. Right.
0: But it was still, you know, uncomfortable. The people who bought at the wrong time or sold at the wrong
1: time. You're talking about $250,000? Sure, on a a million million dollar house. That's rough
0: yeah i mean and the average house price i think in toronto right now is somewhere north of seven hundred thousand, i believe mm. now that includes i believe condos uh, <laughs> i'd have to double check that statistic statistic because single detached homes in pro- toronto proper are definitely more than that yeah. quite a bit more uh it's crazy right you know and even here in burlington it's it's gone up and up and up and um i think that it's it's one of those things where as an investor i'm looking i'm not totally stuck on this i'll invest where the deal makes the most sense right and but i also don't want to spread my resources thin, as you know yes and and you know you have so you have to make a proper business decision about. when you're that.
1: just starting off and i'd say just starting yeah. off is all the way up to five ten million dollars i mean if yeah. we're being yeah. realistic here you know it's all relative but that's true if you're, yeah. you have to be strategic with where you place your funding at yeah. first um i'd say you start off in a capital building stage And then you slowly get into buying holds and then you make sure you can leverage those properties to buy more. But if you don't have a lot of appreciation like we don't, I am not someone that cares so much. I wouldn't care so much about the cash flow. My wife and I are are okay from an income standpoint. Yeah, And and we will be for the time being. Sure. So if I could buy a deal, perfect example of this, if I could buy a deal in London, and I don't know the market, but if I could buy a deal in London for a million and you Mm. told me I would break even. Like yeah. All I would do is break even, but almost without a doubt, if the, if the trend even stays at half of what it yeah. is, I would be at 1.3 million within five years. Yeah. That's probably fine. Three to five years. I'm in without the cash. But yeah, it can't just not cash flow. It's got to be able to manage itself. I don't want to lose on it, but no, I want to be able to afford a property manager, but I don't care if I get yeah. 300 bucks in the in the mail. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think uh no, there are still several markets around here where where you can do that. Yeah. Uh, and I talk about them uh, fairly regularly. You guys would have drove through uh some in that Niagara region. Oh, there, okay. there are some good spots down there where you can actually still cash flow. Right. And um, you know, you put 20% down. Now for you guys being American, you'd have to get a little creative with that, but uh <laughs> but there are ways. We'll give it to Andrew and Andrew put it down.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Something like that. In yeah. Way. So so there are ways to do it, for sure. And yeah. and yeah, the appreciation potential here is is you know, there's a lot of politics to it. And then of course the desirability you guys saw Toronto, you know, kinda that's always going to be a center hub right. for a lot of things.
1: That's uh, that's what I would be shooting for. Like if you're going into this full time, obviously the cash flow is going to be super important to you. Yeah. Like if you need to live off of it. But if you don't, yep. All I care about is the appreciation and someone's paying you off. You want to grow asset. your
0: net worth, then that's right. that's a net worth Absolutely. play. Yeah, Absolutely. that makes a lot of sense. So uh, just kind of kind of wrapping up on you personally uh, from a financial standpoint. I know you're not just real estate, or you, you're into stocks as well. or Is that, yes. that a big part of what you do?
1: We have a fair amount of money in the stock market as well, mostly. Through our Roth IRAs, okay, Uh, we backdoored a lot of that when she went to school because, uh, well, I just. I'm, what do y'all call it here? It's down to Roth. We else. have RRSPs, oh, but okay. I think
0: I think your Roth IRA is uh, you put uh, taxed money into it, right? And then, and then it's tax sheltered. And I love that. I love yeah. the
1: idea of not having to pay taxes in retirement. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't want to care about what yeah. the tax rate is. And you can take it all out at any time. Sure. So I love that idea. So we are very heavy Roth. Now, as you know, it's only, for us, it's only $6,000 per person per year. a year. Yeah. Uh, and after $180,000, it gets minimized oh, income. Yeah. So you have to get creative. And there's something called a backdoor Roth. Uh, basically, you put it in one and then you transfer it to the other. So we we do that as well. Yeah. 401k is okay. And we'll do that because her income will be yeah. substantial. So we'll... Take advantage of that. But the, the we're in the market a fair amount. I love investing in small businesses. I think that that's some of the highest return you can get. Sure. It, is, it is much it's bigger, high risk, gamble. it's higher, higher risk. return. Yeah. But you can see five, 600,000, 2,000% returns yeah. in these if they work out. And you can manage your downside. If you know what you're investing in.
0: Yeah. If you, if you invest what you're passionate about, then you know, well, if I'm passionate about it, there's got to be other people who are Absolutely. passionate about it. I think that's the way it works. Like for me, I'm passionate about real estate. I, I believe in it. it. Always made sense to me. And uh, I think that's, that's where you stay safe. You stick with that kind of
1: thing. Absolutely. If you know nothing yeah. about the restaurant business, don't go don't, throw don't money don't into in the restaurant business. It, just, it doesn't yeah. make any sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so for clarification between Canadians and, and Americans, so uh, Roth IRA would be more comparable to our tax-free savings account. We have a T- they call it TFSA, okay. Which we're actually, I think that you guys get a penalty if you pull money out. Ours, we do not get a penalty, and we can invest up to I think the limit's like sixty five thousand right now. Per and year? No total, because oh. it, it's been accumulating since gotcha. 2008 when they they started it. Okay. So every year they tack on about another 5,000 into oh, it. Okay. But the cool thing is, like, say you built that thing. I ran a calculation. Say you built that thing too. Like, uh, if you could get 10% a year on it consistently, year after year, for the next. Uh, I think I ran forty years. It would be about three point two million if you max it out now. Three point two two million in, in forty free. years, tax free. <laughs> so if you if you even just took ten percent of it at that point to live on, uh, and you could continue earning ten percent, then it would stay even. You'd be right. making three hundred and twenty thousand dollars per year, tax free. Now, granted, that's forty years in the future, and three twenty isn't going to mean what it does today. Right. So it's
1: still a substantial amount of money, though. It's not as nothing. A <laughs> I call. We call our Ross. Yeah. What happens if you and I talking to my to my wife? and this is how yeah. we've looked at it, there are probably we did about the same. About three million is what we what we think we'll yeah. have between our two. Ross, we said, what happens if we get to fifty nine and a half is when you can touch it, yeah. and we've we've screwed everything yeah. up somehow, some way. Yeah, we've completely We got the economy got us three years in a row, or so, yeah. we just were being stupid in our fifties. Yeah, we fall back on three million, We'll we'll make it yeah and that's how we looked at it, looked
0: yeah at it. yeah that's, that's the interesting thing about it right i <laughs> right. think the same same with us it's a good thing to just you know you shovel the max into it now yeah. and then just let it grow
1: at five grand a year yeah okay i get it like I, I say that i guess i need to be more empathetic five grand a year is a lot to some people in fact yeah. some people don't have five hundred to put this out so i'm not saying it like that yeah. if you get yourself in that position if you got an extra five grand a year and you're spending on tennis shoes versus a roth yeah Mm, i i I don't like that plan
0: you know to be to me i i hadn't really even thought about using it because i was making far more in real estate right but it it, just like you said it's kind of a good
1: backup plan
0: you know just an extra throw that in there let it do its thing and then also do my thing on the other side too so very cool john it's always interesting talking to you um tell people where to follow you if they want to kind of keep up with you cuz I love I love seeing your stories okay
1: so they can follow me on uh, my social media the two most active ones are YouTube and Instagram at just my name, John J. O. N. Scholar. Uh I'm sure you'll tag it up. I
0: will put it in the description so that you can just click right over to John's profiles.
1: There you go. So you yeah. can find me there. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I yeah. try to stay active on both of those and show the behind the scenes of all this investing.
0: Well, the cool thing is, is John's scouting houses on a daily basis, showing what they're doing, talking about the numbers, getting right into it. So uh, it's so hard to believe that you're not uh, not buying these as your own, uh, <laughs> we call them burrs, right? Right. You know? buy reno refinance uh and uh, rent repeat
1: i'll probably beat myself up yeah. in 10 15 years
0: yeah maybe you'll wish you had but uh anyways it was uh it was really good talking to you john i'm glad that you're able to stop by while you're in town because uh i've switched over to wanting to do almost exclusively in-person interviews which makes it a little tougher to get uh, to get uh, our american friends to uh to come up here for a podcast so anyways appreciate it absolutely man All right. Well, uh, next time you're in town, just uh, drop me a line. We'll do another one. Definitely. Okay. Talk soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Just a quick reminder to please rate and review this podcast if you have not already done so. If you're watching on YouTube, please take a moment and click that subscribe button. Give it a like. Leave me a comment. It just helps more people to find the podcast, helps it grow. I also wanted to remind you about the Greater Hamilton REI Meetup. As of the date I'm recording this, our next event is on Wednesday, September 25th at 7 p.m. If you're not already in the private group and on the event, please reach out to me on Instagram or on Facebook at The Andrew Hines, and I'll make sure that you get the invite and get into the group. Thanks, and I'll see you there.